Hello and a very warm welcome to the very first On The Road podcast with uh, myself, Jamie McGeechan. I'm a 33-year-old singer-songwriter musician uh, from Ayrshire in Scotland and um, basically I've started this uh, podcast, a series of, um, to talk with uh, people on my travels uh, around Scotland about all aspects of mental health and well-being. Um, it's, it's something basically that I've uh, had a growing interest in uh, over the past couple of years um, since I started uh, experiencing anxiety and, and depression and um, I, I realised that the, the more I talked about it um, on, a, on a personal level with people uh, the more I was realising that I was meeting so many people that were affected with various mental health issues and that certainly I wasn't suffering alone by any means and with this series of podcasts basically I'm, I'm going to be having candid conversations with people from all walks of life, um, people that have uh, experienced mental health issues on a personal basis, um, on a professional basis, people that work in mental health, uh, nurses, psychologists, um, counsellors, um, artists, creatives, um, people that I meet out in the street, anybody and everybody. It's such a, a diverse uh, topic and uh, something that um, people tend to experience differently and in a very personalised way. But um, the main strand through it all is that I, you're, you're certainly not alone if you are going through anxieties, um, experiencing stress, depression. And um, it really is all about realising that you're not alone with it. Uh, so basically with uh, this podcast, it's, uh, it's looking at how people experience it in their lives and talking about some of their stories and experiences. So for this very first podcast, my guest is a musician uh, from Glasgow. His name's Paul Wilson. And um, we certainly have a, a wide range of topics. And here we are. Hope you enjoy. You can get in touch with any comment or if you'd like to speak on the podcast in the future through the On The Road uh, podcast link on my website, which is at littlefiremusic.com. That's littlefiremusic.com. On to the chat with Paul Wilson. How you doing, Paul? Good evening. I'm fabulous. Well, we know that. Yes. How are you today, man? How's, how's things? Uh, pretty good. How are you sleeping? Um, got, had a wee cigarette, mm. went about my day, did some dishes. Always good. Always good to keep the dishes clean, keep your room tidy, all that shit. Look after your environment, definitely. Environment is the, it's, uh, the union theory, Pearson talks about it a lot, you know, the room is the reflection of your inner mind and all that. And certainly something my my mum used to say anyway when I was younger and my room was a tip. Definitely. No, thanks for... Um, Same for mine. <laughs> yeah. this, this is definitely something, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. It certainly has. And um, I was really chuffed when you said that you'd be willing to talk to me for this podcast about well-being, mental health, being, just being. Being, being in this, uh, this big thing... That's a big thing we call life, we society and I love. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yes. And um, I've always known of you, I've always thought of you as uh, a guy who was good 
articulating his feelings and, and speaking um, cognitively about things and yeah. that's why I was really chuffed um, when you kindly agreed to speak to me. Um, it's very nice of you to say. Ah, thank, ah, you. thank you. Thank you. I haven't seen you for so long. <laughs> it's it's been a while. Flashbacks to the good old days of music in Ayrshire and all that malarkey. Indeed, mm. indeed. I, the, the reason I wanted to uh, I do these podcasts in general was in that I'm growing all the more interested in mental health and mm. what it means to people um, and finding out about people's experiences just so we can uh, I put it out there that... Um, However you are, wherever you are, it's all right. You know, we're all on the road. We're all we're on our path. We're all on our path, and um, it's uh, it's just so fascinating because everyone's life, obviously, is it's unique. There is no one way, and um, I I guess I want to connect with people, and um, I'm really chuffed to connect with you this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, we Thank were, connection. Aye, we're having a, 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 a fairly uh, in-depth conversation about everything before we started recording <laughs> yeah. and um, I'm certainly really looking forward to you uh, sharing some of your views uh, So anything you particularly want to start with or should I fire away? Aye, well that's it. Like if, I was to, if I was to ask you just now like, what's your conception of like mental health in society and on a, and on a personal level um, Some ant- anecdotes Yes, absolutely, that'd be sure. fantastic that'd sure. be from, from the heart um, well, hmm, mental health. Um, it's obviously like it's still emerging in terms of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Is, we're having a big conversation about it right now, and we're trying to trying to quantify what different things are and all that. And you've got universities. You've got a lot of conversation going on in the school and education system. But I mean, my experiences as a young guy growing up was that. The education, the education system was not, is not really fit for proper management and diagnosis and help and more importantly, I think enabling young people, sorry, <laughs> enabling young people to have the tools and the things um, for them to you know, deal with their emotions. You know, as, as a kid growing up, like me and my brother, we're, we're seeing our issues. We're often seeing more as just typical male behavior patterns and stuff like that. You know, uh, aggression. Uh, if a little kid, if a kid's balling up something in school when I was going, there was a young guy. It would be seen as like, oh, it's just him acting up because of hormones and puberty and all that. And then they would often get more isolated and, and more discouraged to talk about their emotions because they were being told their emotions are like, oh, that's you just being a male. You know, you're just being a young aggressive male. And often that's just how young men that don't know how to articulate themselves are trying to like it's the only outlet they have for emotional trauma that may be going on in their lives and past lives and past lives <laughs> uh, maybe going on in their lives in the past and stuff like that and at the time and stuff and like yeah like um, was there a, a a support system in place for a well-being and mental health a support when you were at school for instance just to take it back to the school days mm. that um, a wonderful experience of education that everyone is mm. subjected to. Um, no, <laughs> no. In, in short, no. Um, there, there's not really any counsellors. You get a PE class with one teacher, what for like, like your son earlier, like over 200 people in a year or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really have anyone who's properly like trained or educated in psychological stuff 
to even like help the kids so it's more at the end of the day you've got um, people you've got PE teachers who are far over you know they're over delegated far more than they should and they, they don't have the tools to teach young men how to young men and girls and how to develop emotional intelligence and responsibility and stuff and how how to just like deal with their emotions and stuff it's, it's there's not people properly trained there um i mean and it being under-resourced as you were saying do you think that's as a lack of understanding or insight into just how crucial the need is to have you know mental health counsellors in schools well it's a generational thing right because there's a whole thing about the generation before us or whatever parents and all that they aren't emotionally equipped to deal with um, you know mental health and depression and stuff like that because they were just taught to tuck it in and all that so um, tuck it in as in tuck in your emotions don't talk about them I mean what people say is toxic to- toxic masculinity which I think is wrong but uh, I know what they mean they mean by it it's like you know pa- the parents aren't equipped basically generationally to deal with their kids mental health and because it's a new dynamic of we are talking about feelings and thoughts more the parents are almost kind of like their children are grow up in a completely different society emotionally and mental health where all this stuff is kind of more getting talked about and it's coming out more as well and um, which is interesting is it, is it being reported more or is there also an increase in mental health as a resort a result of you know social media and just changes in attitude and stuff so the, the parents aren't equipped to deal with it the educational system isn't equipped to deal with it because it's the parents that are running the educational system yeah. right so it's a generational thing probably um but like and whose who's role is it you know whose role is it in society what kind of system structure is it ourselves ourselves yeah we're not being taught how to the focus is on antidepressants just getting people on antidepressants just getting them straight to a doctor the antidepressant system for kids is terrible um you know um we, we talked about CBT yeah CBT it's not like it's not enough people are getting what like eight sessions every two weeks or something and then they have to wait 10 months to get on that everyone knows that however long and then that's it and often cbt whilst it can be good for some types of ruminating minds right it's not effective for maybe deeper overthinkers that can already see that and just other types of depression it's just not the nhs isn't fit really properly for mental health it's the big farmer nonsense of get the kids on antidepressants in England the, the, the doctors are what are financially incentivized how do you say that word incentivized incentivized to punt antidepressants I think they get more money for the more they, they give out and that's that's the culture in the NHS that's kind of rampant it's like you know pharmaceutical drugs are running our policy and our approaches right um, it sounds implicitly wrong when the goal should be to heal people to heal people rather than to Profit. Well, I mean, I think we need to be a bit more realistic about it because it's like we we know like we have like politicians that have stakes and like usually the Grenfell Tower and nonsense like just quickly. Mm. I mean, lots of conservative politicians had stakes in that, um, and that's why they voted against you know the cladding getting updated and stuff. If you've got politicians that are for their own financial gain, gonna you know in- inherently danger people's lives for a tower for money, you think they're gonna create? They're gonna be really say I'm creating a system that's probably helping people no <laughs> but um, education education all that I, I think 
yeah the cbt isn't really helping the nhs isn't really properly fit for helping mental health i mean the antidepressants are great for some people if you like serotonin reducing substances for example like mdma and ecstasy and stuff like that it can be really good for soaring at the baseline but past that i found it to be not too helpful for me personally um but um yeah i think for example a lot of kids are bullied in school these days and that's reflective of social media and stuff like that and, uh, and instead of teaching the young kids how to process those negative emotions they're going to get bottling up from those experiences in school we're kind of telling them that all their emotions are valid and stuff which obviously it's a big problem because if someone's depressed you can't tell them all their depressive emotions are valid like not all emotions are valid sorry are valid sorry you need to challenge them and we're not teaching kids the internal tools to do stuff like that and to have the internal dialogue um, to combat their own mental health and that, um, we're not attacking it in the baseline which is in the, the kids heads and people's heads we're, we're, we're going for a prescriptive approach which isn't helpful and young kids aren't being taught any of these tools in school they're just being taught uh, all your emotions are true um, basically which I don't think is helping at all to to go back to something oh, to go back to the, the social media thing do you think because of the aye, the the reliance by many uh, on social media to communicate and express their feelings do you think that weighs in largely uh, on mental health and young people in particular and how they view themselves yeah absolutely um, the whole vanity Instagram thing right uh, the main form of communication now for like the generation that's coming up is now through pictures and often pictures of themselves and trying to make those pictures look as aesthetically pleasing you know beyond the point of actual realistic beauty expectations right and it's um everyone's uh, you've we've also become a focus on how we look you know and how we want to look to others and how, how we look to others i think that's maybe important it's like it's focused so much now on how we look to others and and pleasing others with how we look as opposed to literally just self-acceptance and pleasing yourself with how you look and accepting all your insecurities and your blemishes and your your weight problems and all that and you know what at the same point not avoiding them because i think it's an interesting dynamic right we've got the instagram generation it's like vain the vanity is beautiful you need to look beautiful right? do squats do lots of squats and you, you <laughs> can do lots of squats and you can get lots of followers and make money and sell basically sell your body uh, through the the internet right a lot of girls doing that now it's really bad really unhealthy for girls in their heads and it's like the, the most worrying thing I've noticed is like despite all this vanity and, and all these girls calling themselves queens I'm a queen I feel so good they're all very insecure mm-hmm. and why is that well it's because girls actually deep down whilst they are aesthetically very minded you know they like aesthetics fashion they're very beautiful and good at all that stuff but like um, they're not learning anything about themselves or people how to communicate their actual emotions and wants like you've got a generation of basically emotionally what would you say unstimulated girls that have, are living in this vain world and instead of like valuing emotional connection and conversation and also um i think we've, we've gone too far with the, the pc thing it's um it's all about we're not teaching young men and women that it's okay to have different opinions and it's okay to disagree with things and yeah. it's okay to feel different things it's that's not 
that scene is like a microaggression or whatever now you know it's like I'm aggr- you're aggressing on me with a different emotional opinion right mm-hmm. so if we teach young people that's how they, cu- they have to communicate and they grow up that way and they're, they're gonna have this deep like inherent depression in them I think because it's like they're not actually saying anything they think their soul knows it they're not really saying what they want to think you know it's just the expression and articulation like you were saying has become very clouded no one's really saying what they think they're just saying what other people think I mean that's always been a thing but I think it's been highly magnified by Instagram and social media I mean I guess <laughs> I, I, I was like the prototype for social media bullying I would say uh, hey, did you experience it? oh yeah do you remember Bebo? I do remember Bebo yeah I had I had a I don't let this bother me because I know it's just But they, what was it they did? Uh, they had an anti-Paul Wilson group on Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> it was like half my year was on it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a great confidence boost. Really. Oh yeah, for a young, a young, uh, a young twelve-year-old adopted boy in school, it was fucking great. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've had my fair share of shit, but yeah, like I, I seen it very early on days of like um, young people on social because young kids can say the nastiest things, right? Mm, and it's because uh, they, they they haven't developed emotional. Uh, re- receptivity to other people's emotions so they just go around and send stupid shit and I was a, well, I was like a weird kind of quirky arty nerdy kind of oddball too smart for his own good kind of kid right <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know and I would just say what I thought and that doesn't go down well at a young age right because people would just be like but I'm trying to be cool and I want the friends and shit and I was just like oh fuck you so so yeah um, um, but I think the most important thing from any bullying and negative and we often like to view ourselves as victims and being mm-hmm. oppressed and stuff like that is in the, the the way you the way they will win uh, people who have you know done you wrong in your life the way they'll win is to let it affect you Absolutely. afterwards but the way you can lose in the same token is to not ever deal with it and not ever process it or think about it and feel it you need to do that in your own time and it could take years it can take decades if something really bad's happened but don't let it define you and don't let it affect your judgments and your emotional feelings and that's why we've got a lot of and we're not teaching we're not teaching the, the post processing of emotional trauma and emotional um, you know deep things that hurt us and that's another reason why we've got a lot of un, I'd say more unhappy people in the, in the younger generation it's like um, we just we just pretend things don't hurt us we just like I mean you've got what girls that are like they're, they're processing about how they're so powerful and so strong and all that but then they're like they can't talk about overweight issues at all, can they? Can't talk about that. It's really sad because you've got a lot of like girls who obviously they're they're saying, "Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine." And you've got this whole culture thing of like not fat shaming and like we've got you've seen the, the you've seen the TV advert with the bigger women and it's being advertised. Big women are sexy, and they're all a bit. They're all yeah. I, I'm not being a dick about it. I don't really have much judgy body standards, but it's like they are obese they're obese they're obese women and it's it's like young minds are getting these two extremes it's like you must look beautiful and perfect on Instagram mm. but then who you are doesn't matter or something on the left and I lay within Instagram there are elements of like the whole other like body acceptance thing going on as well but it's like they're doing two extremes it's like you look fucking beautiful you're incredible and well, it's like you look fucking beautiful, you're incredible on this, but we're not going to talk about any of the things that may be emotionally upsetting you about how you look or how you feel, or any physical, you know, if you're smoking, you're, you're eating wrong, you know, you're eating a lot of shit. That all affects mental health really badly, right? 
we were talking about the earlier Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that and young girls are young girls are just getting blasted by like conflicting extremes I think of and then not talking about things that are actually upsetting them instead they're just they just go around as a coping mechanism saying oh we're all beautiful we're all this and that it's like yeah we are we're all beautiful for intangible reasons right but we're not talking about a physical illness that's actually like physically hurting you and making you mentally ill because of those like because we just said that everything is beautiful now and it's 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 wrong and that's fucking up young girls people's heads and school as well you know that's like um, I, if you notice a lot of the people pushing the, the body shaming the, you know, don't body shame and all that all the young people, it's like these are people that have all been bullied a lot in school and I understand why they're doing it they've, they, they've been brought basically being in their minds oppressed for what they are physically and they want to completely eradicate that um, dimension to the, the conversation and I understand that, you know, I understand like, you shouldn't judge people for how they look and stuff but um, and I, I don't really but I think to say that you don't at all is, is A wrong and not truthful absolutely I think it's kind of inherently implicit you know we cannot help it because of what we've been told what we believe what we perceive mm-hmm. you know there's always going to be some element of judgement there based on you know coded messages and clothing fashion any aspect of appearance, you know, whatever it is, you're always going to subliminally be influenced Aye. by society, and that's absolutely, and that's okay. And instead of um, kind of the conversation being had, that it's okay if you have standards of you like different things. I mean, that's kind of been had, but at the same point, it's going towards that there are no standards. No one has any sex. No one has gender. No one has any attractiveness qualities to them. No one has any unattractive qualities to them. I mean, we're we're, we're pretending that here's the problem. We're pretending that imperfect like we're, we're pretending that beauty doesn't exist um through the physical uh, imperfections are we're saying that imperfections are beautiful right but we're not saying they're beautiful in the right way we're saying they're beautiful whatever you are is beautiful but it's like if someone has like you know like a missing arm or something right it, that's beautiful right but we wouldn't then we wouldn't then pretend that that person wouldn't have difficulties with things in their life, right? We, we, we'd say, oh, that must be hard for you. Oh, how can I help you with this? And then obviously there's a whole thing about, well, people need to do things on their own, but the analogy is more so to the point that um, <laughs> don't... We, we can't just, like, take away all ramifications of, of physical dimension to human beings, and we can't just, like, deny it, isn't there? And then the reason we're telling girls that and they're not dealing with the emotional inner truths they have about how they feel about themselves and stuff. We're just telling, telling them, don't feel it at all. It's, it's not real, it's, it's illogical. It's like, yeah, it is illogical, but you still feel it. And it is logical in a way. It's like, oh, I'm bigger, I'm, I'm bigger, and I don't feel comfortable in my body, and I've gone up through school, you know, being you know, bullied because of that. And then, and then, then they're going to university and they're being told, oh, yeah, well, you you don't have to feel any shame for any, any way you look and then they just get unhealthier don't they they just get you know more unhealthy and it's like but the key to mental health is the mental and the physical right it's all connected so if you're physically put on more and more weight and you're feeling more and more worse about yourself about how you look but you can't say that because the environment you're in if you feel bad about how the way you look as a girl if you're bigger or whatever whatever 
the thing is that's annoying you you can't talk about that because that's seen as weak and it's seen as you're, you're paying into the male patriarchy which is really sad because just all these young girls are just going, saying things but not actually like I think people are just yeah people get into the, the, the trap of just having these kind of normalisation buzzwords and kind of movements and activism and stuff and then they're not actually talking about what's emotionally hurting them so taking ownership in a sense rather than blaming or uh, regarding you know structures and ideologies as being responsible mm. realising that uh, however you are yeah it's, 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 it's okay to be to be different um, I know a lot of people feel marginalised because their particular sexual orientation or mm. gender or whatever and a uh, can't be easy if you feel like you are marginalized yeah and, and many people are um in the society that like we can't deny that but people are marginalized in so many different ways in this country you know it's like for every person that's bullied because of their sexuality in school there's a working class kid probably there's probably 10 more working class kids that have like alcoholic abusive parents or something and they've been brought with their own victim narrative, right? Um, they they think, and then you may get what like young neo Nazis or something like that from that. You may get people that have gone into another type of ideology that's more on the right, right? But they're they're still on that side because not because of them, but because of the environment. The young minds are so moldable and stuff. And we also need to realize that it's like your mind is, your experiences in school and growing up are going to influence everything. All a lot of like subconscious thought patterns and stuff like that. That's what CBT is trying to help out with I guess um, yeah to go back to something you mentioned earlier on mm. I mean we're, we're guys aren't we like mm-hmm. biologically appears to be the case was it XY or XX I can't remember I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea um, I don't care that's the point right we don't care <laughs> oh exactly um, yeah to, to, to go back to toxic masculinity mm-hmm. uh, I'd love oh God. to hear your thoughts on this, and it's—I mean, it's only—it's only a term. Uh, it's a that term I've that's heard in the last three years. It's a, it's I don't a, know where I've been, but uh, yeah, the last three years, I would say. That term really frustrates me. Um, Why? I, because what they're trying to say is that there's gender roles and all that, and like the way you know males are typically not thought to talk about their emotions and stuff more, right? So that's that's kind of the reality. It's like males talk about their emotions less, and that's a problem because they're articulating their stuff more and, and they're internalizing things and they're acting how society should expect them, right? And it's like, yeah, that's so basic. Like, how didn't you know that when you were five? It's like, yeah, we get it. There's some, but whether you like it or not, a lot of that's um, from thousands, tens of thousands, millions of years of biological evolution. Like, there's a lot of like social dynamics that are so so old that we that just can't suddenly be thrown out and they're there for a reason as well you know toxic masculinity it's talk it's toxic if a man doesn't talk about his feelings it's like but why is a man not talking about his feelings is it because of masculinity is it because he's in an educational system where he's he's taught that and he's like well that's 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 the toxic masculinity aspect and you're like do, do you think uh, as individuals we have a responsibility to redefine what masculinity is or should we let society do that for us that, that's the thing it's like it's it's the whole it's so one dimensional I think that it's like it's, it goes back to the whole gender as a social construct and everything's a social construct it's like 
that's one of the variables, right? And it's one of the bigger ones. And but a, we don't even know what we actually mean by that. B, we don't know what society. <laughs> what, what do you even mean by that? Well, everything we do is formed through a societal lens. It's like yeah, and biologically, and uh, you know, lots of other phenomena that are more effective. Poverty, you know, again, attractiveness. These things all affect people. And that, but they're all constructs of society. It's like well, the biological impulse for to fuck someone isn't part of, isn't part of society. You know, sex. It's a very individualistic. Uh, phenomenon as you might call it yes to- toxic masculinity males it's like okay do we talk about toxic femininity is that a thing well uh, is, is, is I you, don't that, even know if I know anything about it maybe I do I, I don't I, but this is the thing like, it's, a, it's just like a kind of like for me it's a generalised silly phrase that's been used to, that's so one dimensional it's just been used to like tell males that you aren't expressing yourself enough because of society right and it's like Partly true, yes. Also, males are less high in trait um, openness on average, so it's like they're less expressive with their emotions naturally. Some of them, and other ones like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the kids like need aggression. The young kids need aggression. They need to get their stuff out that way, and we're not giving them. We're not giving the kids the tools in school to get the pent up aggression from you know the hormones of puberty and stuff. We're not we're not giving them enough outlets and then for that kind of stuff we kind of look down on it but then we tell them it's because of toxic masculinity that they're not getting their emotions out they're not able to develop a thing but it's like but you're literally one of the main ways in which males often express themselves emotionally and get that stuff out is through stuff like physical stuff you know competition physical Mm, aggression learning learning the discipline from those things right and we're not providing for that's one of the things we're not providing for young men and then we turn around and tell them well that's toxic masculinity and it's like is it mas- is it masculinity that created the system that didn't properly teach young men how to deal with young males to deal with their emotions and stuff in school was that toxic masculinity I mean the, the education system women have been doing better in for 25 years yeah, I think toxic masculinity is just a really stupid way of looking at it I think it's really one dimensional I think it's unfair to say to it that males are expressing themselves because of toxic masculinity when there's so many other factors beyond that it's like oh it's just it's the males doing it to themselves that's basically what it's saying isn't it it's the males because of the way society is male dominated and everything <laughs> even though the education system of people already said it's easier better for girls for half a quarter quarter of a century right that coffee hit me hard man <laughs> had a coffee before you came um it's, it's like a I think it's a slight of hand beating down on men I really think it is it's like toxic masculinity so if we're going to talk about here's the thing if you're going to talk about toxic masculinity you need to talk about this concept of toxic form, femininity in equal form right or, or just don't talk about either of them in such a specifically stupid way does that make sense it's like okay what, what, what off the top of our heads what would be an example of toxic femininity well for example females um, don't engage in physical violence as much Right, uh, as a kind of like uh, a way to deal with confrontation and disagreement and stuff there's not that inherent well we can just fight about it and shake hands afterwards or fight about it and never talk again but we set her apart girls are more uh, the way they get each other is more through like you know reputation damage and emotional and online bullying stuff like that right right so would we call that toxic femininity would we blame that on the females well, that's the society's moulded the male and the female minds to have these toxic perspectives on themselves. It's like, 
kind of true, but not really. It's a lot more complicated, basically. I think to I think we need to stop talking such stupid buzzwords that aren't. Agreed. There's there's no like why don't we look at the psychological science because it's over fifty years of stuff there and it's got a lot more specific terms and words to describe these phenomenon. You know, I mean, we just like to attribute all the phenomenon to the patriarchy. It's all all bad mental health for male women to do with the white males. It's just like, but we're not actually like dealing with what's actually going on in people's minds. We're just telling them it's these bigger conceptual ideas, right? Mm. Hmm. So I think I think it's a load of nonsense to uh, summarize my ramblings there. <laughs> do Do you think there's like a? I mean, okay, to, to personalize it, mm. like. To me, it, it does seem, obviously, even by virtue of us talking right now, that there's an increased uh, public perception, awareness, desire to talk about mental health and, and mm-hmm. wellness than ever before. It is less stigmatised, but mm-hmm. of course, as with anything for a lot of people, it is, it's still very much a, a shame-filled thing to talk about not feeling well, not feeling good. Um, mm. Like, how can we change that? How can we positively influence it further? Well, talk about or give kids and people the tools and the environments to openly seek out to talk to people about emotions and feelings as opposed to blaming systems and stuff. Right, you know, um, seeking people's opinions that are different yours and people who do emotionally disagree with you and, and learning how to um, combat one's own emotional sensitivities too. Uh, talking to someone that disagrees with you or is being verbally um, you know, aggressive, shall we say and uh, instead of teaching people to run away from these moments we need to teach them to be strong and uh, against the real strength is talking about your own emotions and, and being able to do that and able to process it through healthy support networks around you and people you can talk to and being open uh, and, and all of that as opposed to um, just thinking the whole world's out to get you I mean, it's, most, it's such a horrible feeling to put on someone who has mental health. It's like, the whole world is out to get me. It's like, you already naturally feel that anyway if you've been abused or like you've been bullied. Or you, you already have parts of that in your subconscious and you always will. And it's like, you need to, you need to identify that and realise that it's not always logical to think that way. As opposed to just saying all the time, well, it's all this one big system oppressing me. It's like, the reality of the world is a lot more complicated and a lot more scary than that and we need to focus on talking to each other and talking about emotions yeah. and feelings and not getting upset when the, the problem is we're, we, we are talking about it more but I feel like we're closing the goalposts a bit at the same time it's like the pitch is getting bigger but the goalpost has got smaller if that makes sense do you why do you think that is because we're talking about very specific elements of mental health and we're, we're talking we're talking about it with a lot of I would say sublimin- subliminal narratives Right, so like, um, more people are talking about mental health, but we're not talking about uh, we're not talking about self acceptance nearly enough. I think not in a healthy way. We're just talking about well, you're beautiful no matter what you are, right? But self acceptance goes a lot deeper than that. It's accepting things in your mind and accepting that you are gonna have negative thoughts and that you are gonna. Um, have this emotionally bottled up stuff that you need to get out right uh, but imagine you like have an emotion you, imagine you're a young guy and you, you want you've got this like stuff you want to talk to people about and then you've been told that you as a white male are oppressing someone it's like how is that going to encourage any guy to want to talk to anyone when literally the people he's meant to be talking to 
um, think that he has oppressed other people through just his race and his colour of skin. Like, I think that's really discouraging young men to talk about it. I think it's really um, alienating a lot of young men. That As in, like, a kind of sense of that, like, if you're a young guy, you shouldn't feel like you've got the right to talk about how you're unwell because you are entitled. No, we definitely... That, 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 well, yeah, subconsciously. It's like, the whole game being played is like, me as part of this variable, this group, you know? I, I have an enlightened... I, I have more of a right um, to speak about it, and my value is more opinion, right? Now, and the social dynamic right now, who's the bottom feeder, the white male is the, the root of all evil, that's how we've... Narr- that's the narrative we spun on it. And, like, how are white males going to want to talk about their feelings when society is telling them that... A, <laughs> it's kind of a slight hammer. We're talking about toxic masculinity, but it seems to just want to talk about feelings in a certain way, it's not talking about all the feelings, it's always a very specific feeling about how you feel oppressed by being a white male, by other white males, it's like, I don't, sorry, I don't, and young men can talk about their, young young men can talk about their feelings and their depression more, but their opinion is only so valid as opposed to other uh, ethnic groups and other variables, like, and what we're trying, and then and then you're telling them that they're not talking about the feelings because of toxic masculinity. No, no, that's a generational thing. Like the females and the, the generation before that were just as bad. The females in my school who were growing up have a, do have a natural um, disposition to talk about the feelings more and do something about it more. But that's not toxic masculinity. That's biology, right? So we're so we're telling males that it's toxic masculinity when it's biology, and that's not encouraging males to talk about the feelings because. They, you, you often it's like it's this whole thing about guilt isn't it males feel guilty white males feel guilty that's 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 what we're trying to tell them is that you 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 have you've benefited from you've benefited from an oppressive system but you can talk about your feelings that's basically what we're saying is that you benefit from a, you're a white male you benefit from an oppressive system and you're part of the problem that's oppressing people but you can talk about your feelings like who wants to talk to who wants to talk to people about their feelings when they're already subliminally impl- implying guilt into them for something they it's ridiculous mm, doesn't seem like a very it doesn't ha- healthy encouragement but it's, it's like it's, it's like it's like telling someone it's like telling someone your opinion means less but you can talk about it mm. and, then, and, then, and then saying and then telling the person when they don't want to talk about it uh, that's because you're not talking about it because of the that, the mythical system we've made up that's oppressing everyone it's like, it's like telling people they're oppre- they're basically telling white males they're oppressing themselves and then giving them shit when they don't want to talk about it because they know if they talk about it they'll be shouted down by uh, rabid people that are, have these horrible narratives about how uh, people, you know, I, I think that's a conversation that's not been had at all we're, we're like, yeah mm-hmm. does that make sense? Uh, oh, it's quite I, out there <laughs> well, I will digest mm. Uh, you're a musician. Uh, I claim to be. Yeah. <laughs> I can see three guitars in the room. Yeah. An assortment of pedals and amplifiers. The old spray stuff. And <laughs> you're a, a, a very good guitarist. I remember that the first time I ever met, met you, you were you were playing um, in the air. You were playing a gig. Um, it was yeah. all like really young guys, and um, I remember just thinking, man, this guy is fantastic. You were just streets ahead of everybody else. You were. You were playing with is is music 
Um, can, can you tell me a wee bit about mm. like your experiences with music and mental being health. a creative and mental health and the kind of intersections between them both? Yeah, I think it's very important actually. Um, I think I was kind of hinting at it with the, the physical thing for guys, um, but for girls as well. Yeah, it's not really gender. It really, I'm only talking about it because that's the that's the goalposts that have been created now. We must talk about gender all the time, right? It's like, well, yeah, we do because there's differences, but. Um, for me, it was very important to have an outlet to express myself. You know, in school, I maybe was a bit uh, more hermity. I wasn't really around people who were really friends. You know, um, I find good friends now, but I think I needed a kind of one way to express myself and and to to heal and and to feel as well because um, I'm kind of weird. I'm a guy that didn't like the physical stuff as much. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't into sports as much, and that's the thing. It's like most guys are, but I, I hate when people try and say otherwise. Like on average, like, more guys are more the psychological stuff in this is there. It's like you're more into like on average like things, and girls are more into people. It's like a sixty forty overlap, but you know we're more com- There's more in common with girls and females are not, but on average there are differences in ones. So I was a guy who was a bit less masculine maybe typically if we want to get specific about it and I needed an outlet for a creativity and stuff but I think like stuff like it was Paul Henderson that was doing that and he made the collective and that was great that was really good he was getting loads of kids from different schools to just come and not go out in the streets and run about and get in fights and drink fucking two litre two litre bottles of Strongbow down the beach when you're 13 and you know all that shit it's like where's the creative outlets and communities for people to express their feelings and emotions and deal with things uh, I don't think that's really there in schools as well as it could be. I mean, what Paul Henderson was doing was fucking great, I thought. But um, Paul's a, a teacher yeah. in South Ayrshire who is running an initiative, has done for years called... Is the it start one? Well, I don't know. Um, certainly was running a, a, an initiative for young musicians across schools in South Ayrshire uh, to come together, uh, play music, learn together... Um, in a totally kind of supportive, engaged environment. You basically, get like the people he was teaching and get them all to come to one from different schools, get them to come to one school and we're like, make, make bands from it and just jam out and then just play in front of each other. It was like a really, what was good about that was that you could have like, go, people go practice their songs and stuff and create. You know, it's obviously very personal and you have to all sit in a room and give people feedback about mm-hmm. it and have open conversations. And like, it was kind of like, it was teaching, it was things like that, it was teaching emotional responsibility and mm. emotional receptivity, because it's like, this is other people's things that are created. It might be shit, I might not like it, but this person is expressing themselves and that's all that matters. And I need to be receptive to that. It's their, they're projecting their soul, even if they're not quite good at doing it yet. They're still expressing themselves. And like, I think that gave me a good emotional footing in some sense to, um, understand that there are, you do need to do creative stuff if you have that type of mind because if you don't you'll go mental mm-hmm. and you don't have to do it to make money or for anyone else but yourself really but if you do want to do that as well that's okay but I, yeah that's an interesting thing it's like it gave me a sense of a sense of purpose a sense of drive a sense of meaning I think that's important isn't it meaning and like what's life without it what's, what's meaning without creativity and art and stuff right and that the, the arts definitely aren't taught well enough in schools, but with music and it's like music's become very politicized recently. I don't really, I don't approve of it at all. I think it's kind of disgusting actually. It's like 
we're, we're doing with mental health particularly it's like we're focusing on this tribal activism again as opposed to being like music's a way to deal with mental health obviously right it, it, it's people express it they come together as a communal thing of being at a live performance everyone's kind of sitting there it's like yeah we've all got shit going on but we, for a moment for you know, an hour we can go and forget about that shit and feel feel that um, you know like a cathartic experience of a live performance or whatever and that's really good but um, I, I think we've uh, I mean Females again, females in the, the industry and stuff like that. It, it's 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 more, it's more like defining ourselves by our, our variables. I think that's really negative for mental health, and it's happening in music a lot. There's a lot of musicians that are pushing like the the patriarchy perspective uh, on music, and I think it's I think that's bad for mental health because it's like if you take up a, a narrative for everything, including your own art, which is your mm -hmm. own self-expression. You're filtering your own self-expression, and with thoughts that you don't that aren't really your own, right? And then how how is that going to make you happy? Because you're not you're going to know deep down that you're not really doing what you want to do. So I think trying staying true to one's self musically can be one of the most rewarding things for mental health. Obviously, um, you know, expressing through writing and playing is like really important for creative types. And um, yeah, I, I don't. Again, we're just getting too focused on the narratives and the variables of human beings. I don't want to talk about any of the variables of human beings at a philosophical point. I want to talk about understanding human beings, not using words. I think that's what's great about music, right? It can transcend that. You know, it's like, oh, I'm this and that person, right? Music, blues, like a hip hop. It's like, it doesn't matter what race you are, it hasn't mattered for like a long time when it comes to music. I mean, I get, I get there's racist people in that thing, but. For me, music's always been a more pure space for more open people to talk about emotions, to talk about feelings. And I think when people do that, it's really great. Um, and encourage people to have mental health conversations through music. Again, really good. Um, I just don't want us to get so boggled down on the specificities of um, someone's perceived, what someone is perceiving as causing the mental health. I don't think you should put that narrative through music. I think it's really harmful to one's mental health because again you're not really saying what you actually think you're just saying what others have told you to think and how's that going to be good for your own mental health you're, the, the one thing you have control of your soul your expression it's been filtered out by uh, ideological nonsense mm -hmm. that's really that must be really that would create a big spiritual rift in me you know if I was like writing songs about the patriarchy say I even believed that say I believed all that stuff say I like I bought it and it was like half my music was just about like smashing the patriarchy it's like you could be spending all that energy and just making your music better and being a happier person and that's what it comes down to it's like where are we putting our energies and it's like all this negative hate you have for stuff you need to convert that into happiness and positivity and you know the beauty of working through the pain and the, and the, the trauma and making things better for yourself and other people around you that's what life is meant to be about I think something like that and music's one of the most beautiful ways to do that so I think for me personally, I probably taught myself I couldn't play my guitar. Sometimes you know you're probably the same. You know sometimes you just need to sit with yourself and play a guitar, well, or write or paint, and it's okay to be alone sometimes. And I think, I think more alone time to be with your own thoughts and and be in your own space is something that I've learned through music. 
and that's been really important for me because it's allowed me to form my own thoughts a lot more articulate, you know, with a lot more articulation and uh, things like that. So it, music's helped me find myself more, and it's helped me. It's a very important. It's my meditation and my therapy. What's been your experience um, of I m- mental health between musicians and mm. and how the life of a musician and Right, yeah. Associated behaviours, stereotypically associated with being a musician, how do they affect mental health? Like, what have you seen out there? Quite a lot. So, musicians tend to often be high in anxiety, and um, that seems to be a big one. Um, so, you've got this stream of consciousness of all these ideas, and you can't really grasp onto them most of the time. And, the, the, and then the anxiety from not accomplishing things you want to accomplish in the time frames and stuff, that's very common. There's two types of musicians. There's the type that does it for themselves, and if they make money from it, cool. And there's the type that, and there's nothing wrong with this because this is, I think, a biological preset. It's like they they, they need the validation mm. of the other creators within their hub and their scene to encourage them, and and that's beautiful. That's like a scene start, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think often many musicians can get too lost in the validation of others you know I think that creates a lot of problems with mental health I think a lot of definitely you know uh, basing so much of your own enjoyment on the perception basing so much of your own enjoyment and value on the perceptions of others and how they perceive your work or you as a person right and um, like I'm trying to think about my own band without going into any names. Oh, uh, feel free. <laughs> um, so often, uh, well, uh, here's the thing: like music becomes people's social lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of musicians tend to be around a lot of very, very similar people, right? Yeah. And it's, they're often not challenging themselves that way. It's, it's very interesting because. Music can, like someone like Elliot Smith, right? You know, obviously a tragic story, but beautiful, beautiful music. And the, there was a man who, for the most part of his life, I mean, I think he had a really, really horrible childhood. He did not have a fun time. You know, he had some pretty horrendous stuff happen to him. And like, he managed to go as far as he did, despite all that, through music. And that's kind of what it's all about. It's about transcending pain and oppression and not giving and giving it an outlet for that emotional stuff because that's what it's all about right it's about an outlet for the mental health stuff and that's why they often talk about it in music and I get it and I'm not like getting down there when it talks about activism or politics and on a personal level I just think it's spiritually unhelpful Um, but music's music's great for mental health Um, I think hmm I think some of the more popular acts have charlatan. Char- I've been a bit charlatan. I've been a bit, do you know what I mean? They've kind of a lot of the more popular acts talk about mental health a lot, and that's that's fine. Uh, that's totally good. It's great, right? I don't, I don't like some of the conversations that are being had. I think that it's hard to do. I have to think about this for a second, but like. We're just talking about mental health as we're not talking about solutions and stuff. We're just talking about everyone being 
supportive and helpful and better with each other, which is great and it's needed. It's it's a necessity, but I don't think we're having. I don't think the musical community is having a an open enough conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's seen by a lot. I I do you get the impression that it's a bit tokenistic at times? When some people talk about it, <coughs> and it's 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 a horrible thing to like put on someone. And I, again, I don't think they're doing it consciously, but I think I do. You do get the opinion sometimes that people are just saying stuff about mental health because that's what other people are saying, and they want to, and they don't want to upset people because they're emotional people. But then, are they actually having the conversation with themselves, or are they just saying it to get promo? Well, I, de- I definitely think it's in. It's, it's, it's very it's negative, like, but it's yeah. in, well, it's, it's definitely far more in the remit now, like being socially conscious and responsible, and like any organisations should be talking about it, but. I, just exactly how tokenistic and as opposed to how personal people well, are making uh, it in, uh, like, I'm sure varies. I mean, a good example is like you have musicians who will talk about one aspect of mental health in a song, and people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone else will talk about their own perspective and aspects on it, and it doesn't fit with the agreed um, narrative of mental health. And then the other musicians will be very, like, cold and, and non helpful and yeah, dismissive and verbally. Um, not nice to people who say things about mental health that they don't agree with you know it's like we've created this medium to speak about mental health more in, in music but if you don't if what you're saying as an individual doesn't fit the group perspective on it regardless of what your attention is or your emotions your feelings and where you're coming from you're, you're a shit person and you just get like shouted down or you get talked over you know I mean yeah I've noticed that. Have you, have you noticed that sometimes? It's just like, if you. Because mental health is quite a controversial subject, right? There's a lot of very controversial things going on about it right now. A lot of debate. And it's, I think I think the music scene could be a bit more open about having um, conversations where people disagree on mental health and trying to understand those differences and learn more from each other as opposed to um, saying, this is the one outlook on it. And if you disagree with me, you're like, being insensitive to people with mental health it's like no there's so many people with different opinions man so I think I think the, I, I like what the music industry, music industry I like what the, I like what music's doing right now with mental health I think it's positive overall I think there are some worrying patterns underneath of people almost talking out talking about it out of necessity mm. uh, out of perceived necessity right it's like I I need to be a good tolerant person in the music industry because I'm an arty type and I have all this emotional care for loads of people and I don't know where to put it so I'm going to put it if you're talking about mental health or activism and music right and it's logical it makes sense but then it's like okay but are you actually talking about the things you want to talk about or are you just talking about what everyone else has said is the right thing to talk about I don't think there's much individuality within the mental health um, conversation in the music industry I think it's very um, defined which I don't like and I know that's very abstract, but no. uh, what, what do you think we can do as as individuals to uh, to promote a more kind of personalised approach to it? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, hmm. Perhaps talking like this. Well, that's what I was actually <laughs> going to say. Thanks very much for talking to me. Very much, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> nice one. Cheers. Thank you. So that concludes the first in our series of On the Road podcasts. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening. 
If you'd like to get in touch, you can find the link for On The Road on my website, which is at littlefiremusic.com. That's littlefiremusic.com. Please do get in touch if you'd like to talk to me on the podcast or um, discuss any aspect of mental health at all, talk about your experiences. I'm always glad to hear from people. Thank you. Until next time.